is, and always will be, the greatest spectacle in racing. This is the Indianapolis 500. And Alex Pillow leads very strong into turn one. Renus VK and Felix Rosenquist with Scott Dixon going high. Side by side with Scott Dixon there, a great move from the veteran. We got two wide all the way down through turn one as we see turn two. Now everyone files through clean. He's gonna get, have to get up to speed here quick. Look at Pato Award on the inside. Slices up on Renus VK, tucks in behind his teammate. A forceful move, but I like the patience out of VK. Still early in this race. VK's right at the front with a fast race car. He's not gonna risk it going into turn one. As we've always said, this team shows up in a big way. The Pennzoil on board with Scott McLaughlin. Kuma Sato high off a two. That was tight. Right. And now Tony Kanaan trying to come behind. on the inside. Half inside. Power making moves, and you can see all kinds of dust in the air. I think that's from Tony Kanaan making a pass in the grass on the back straightaway. There are cars going everywhere. Oh, that stingray roll. Yellow, 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 yellow. First yellow of the race of the day they make a wing adjustment and the McLaren guys easily hold turf hey, Marty here. Contest. Oh, oh, is out. Pelot just got hit by Renus VK who got sideways. Are you kidding me? Wow. We, we, we told you earlier that pit lane, it, your race can be made or lost. Callum Isla leads and the reigning champion goes right around the outside. That's Marcus Ericsson. He got three positions in the one turn. All kinds of action. Mid-pack, Rosenquist immediately to the front. But look at this three-car battle. Two Penske's and a Ganassi. Ericsson goes wide and how about Alexander Rossi? We just saw Stingray Rob end up in the wall being that high, but after the sweepers, you can utilize that second lane. Will Powers hung out to try. Oh. Connor Daly, Scott Whoa. Dixon, full wide. Oh, he has oh, oh. contact. They sent him right into his teammate. Although, if you watch the right front tire changer, he was telling Colton Herta to hold. Caution is out. What is it for? And it's for Romain Grosjean in the DHL Honda for Andretti Autosport. Uh, Ericsson will see that first and take off. Remember that last restart went crazy. Now we're just 44 laps from an Indy 500 win. What's going to happen now? Joseph Newgarden to the high side of Ericsson going to one. And Ferrucci on the outside from fifth to third in the one move. Pato O'Ward sits in 12th position. How Keep about your eyes Santino Ferrucci, AJ Boyd Racing, is now second in the Indy 500. One more stop, he's going for the lead. On Memorial Day weekend in the Stars and Stripes, AJ Boyd Racing with Santino Ferrucci leads the Indianapolis 500. Kyle Kirkwood, he's gonna have the run on Joseph Newgarden. Here comes in. Ferrucci, here's the battle. Ferrucci drafts up on Rosenquist who beats him out. Inside, inside for Ferrucci on Rosenquist. Don't discount Kyle Kirkwood. Here comes Newgarden on the outside of Ferrucci. The Shell Chevrolet. That tire advantage is not nothing though, guys, as we see Joseph Newgarden on the outside of Felix Rosenquist moves that shell car. Oh! Felix in the wall, big time! This is going to be a big hit right here. I don't know if he's going to keep it out of the turn two wall. Oh, no! Kirkwood! Kirkwood upside down! Here we go at the speedway! 
the restart of the Indy 500. Marcus Ericsson and Pato Award. And here comes Joseph Newgarden taking the lead for Team Penske. And stacked up behind him with Joseph Newgarden, third to first. You see them two wide scrambling. Maybe a dive down into two there for Connor Daly on Scott Dixon. Watch Santino, Ferrucci, and Alexander Rossi on the back straight. Rossi's in the orange car. Ferrucci goes to the high side. These two did not like each other in practice on Friday, and Ward goes to the front. Award on the inside of oh! Marcus Erickson and spins. Pato Award has crashed out of the Indianapolis 500. Green is the call here at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Let's go and watch Alexander Rossi, fourth car. Oh, they're wrecking. Big crash. Peterson, Graham Rahal, Ed Carpenter, all in the wall before start finish. Uh-oh. Green flag flies at the speedway. Palau is on the inside of Rossi, but Erickson has bolted. Ericsson sprints away from Joseph Newgarden and is doing what he did a year ago. Joseph Newgarden has never won the Indianapolis 500 and he's ahead on this last lap. The drought is it over for Joseph Newgarden or does Marcus Ericsson have something? Team Penske at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and Joseph Newgarden finally wins the Indianapolis 500. It's the captain's 19th win. You got him first. Finally, you got him as an Indy 500 champ. Watch the Chevrolet Detroit Grand Prix Sunday, June 4th at 3 p.m. on NBC. Hey, Derek, unmute your, your thing. There, let's try that. And with all of that, as we've been able to uh, finally uh, take a breath, uh, welcome to the Push to Pass podcast, episode number 28. Uh, we did start uh, a little uh, earlier as usual because uh, if uh, if you were paying attention on Sunday, there is so much to go over, uh, so much to digest. Uh, I am Derek, and uh, joining me as always is uh, Josh there as well. Uh, Josh, first and uh, foremost, uh, before we uh, get into uh, what was an exciting, I think, to uh, to say the to say the least, uh, Indianapolis uh, 500. Uh, I, I know this was your first time being able to cover this uh, in the media. Uh, curious to get your uh, thoughts uh, aspect of. I know you've you've been there as a spectator, uh, but now as a uh, person belonging to the media. Uh, what was your experiences? Uh, anything different from being a spectator? Oh wow! It is um, it is ten times more interesting being in the media and being able to cover this event than it was being in the um, being in the crowd. This <clears throat> couple times I've been there. Um, one of my biggest things that I've always said um, is with with a track as big as IMS you can't see everything. I mean, there's certain por portions or certain parts of the, of the racetrack, or you're, if you're sitting, you can see a good portion of it, but you can't see everything. Uh, with being in the media center, you can see almost all, all the way around. 
plus uh, having the um, larger uh, the the monitors to be able to show you what's going on in on the track, because for some reason they will live stream NBC's coverage inside the track, but you know that that blackout that no one likes to talk about or <clears throat> it's uh it's not allowed to be talked about in the media center uh extends to people outside and i still don't still never understand that but um being in the media center being so close to the start finish line watching those cars uh come off come off turn four for the first lap of the uh of the 500 was uh was something special um being close close for the uh for the driver introductions being able to go down on pit road that was a uh, one heck of a one heck of a time um IMS for, you know, all I've always ever talked about, it's a fantastic track. Um, the, this month of May being able to get more access to things has just opened my eyes to, um, to how special the track is and how special the things are. Um, I'm looking forward to next year being able to go. Uh, I know this uh, later on this year we'll have another uh, race out there at the uh, road course, but I don't think anything will ever compare uh, racing wise to, uh, to what I experienced on Sunday, uh, being there as a part of the media and being able to watch that, uh, final lap of the race and seeing, uh, Joseph Newgard not only win the race, but, uh, he, I think he, he topped, he, he won up to Helio, you know, Helio perfected the, uh, climbing of the fence. You know what? Newgarden said, hold my beer. I'm going to go into the crowd. He may not have got his as far up as he wanted to, but you know what? He, he had always dreamed about doing that, and he actually did it on Sunday. What a heck of a race. Yeah, we, we were both talking about that as we watched there from uh, uh, from the fourth floor of the uh, Dex Imaging uh, Media Center, and, and we both looked at each other, and we're like, what the hell is he about to do? And, and you know, listening to him uh, in the uh, the post, uh, post-race press conference, which you were there as well, that was something that he he scouted out um, as a as a kid coming here to the speedway, and then the times that uh, uh, Joseph just come up short, and and like you said, uh, congratulations to Joseph Newgarden, uh, Team Pinsky, and the whole uh, number two team because what a uh, what a phenomenal race uh, they ran, uh, and surprisingly, uh, they came from the back. Um, it wasn't somebody that we expected to be up at the front uh, to win this. They had to work their way uh, all day, uh, keeping their nose uh, to the grindstone, so to say. And and yes, congratulations to him. But but yes, it had to be one of the coolest, I think, celebrations uh, that that we've seen in quite a long time. Obviously, you said uh, with Elio uh, climbing the fence. That's how he got the name uh, Spider Man. Uh, for people that are that are interested in that, but uh, yeah, Joseph Newgarden, you know, just showing the, the raw emotion of, of winning that race, going into the crowd, and and obviously he didn't get too deep in there because you know I looked at you and said he's going to get bald if he goes any deeper into the crowd, um, but uh, but yes, he did touch on that uh, at the the post race press conference there uh, that that was something that he scouted out uh, for so long he was just waiting uh, for uh, for that time to uh, uh to do so and obviously uh sunday was uh, was his time uh believe it or not uh, josh that is uh roger pinsky's 19th 
Indianapolis 500 victory. So congratulations uh, to uh, to the captain uh, on that. He will be looking for uh, Borg Warner number 20, if you can believe it or not, in just less than one year's time. Uh, a lot of storylines, obviously, uh, coming uh, from this race. Um, you know, that is why we uh, we started uh, this uh, this episode a little earlier uh, than than we normally do. Um, you know, first storyline that comes to my mind is the the trials and tribulations uh, not only the the trials and tribulations uh for uh dryer reinbolt racing along with uh, cusack motorsports with uh stefan wilson and everybody knows the story uh, behind that and then having to uh find a driver uh to fill in uh for him and uh, they able to uh, uh get graham rahal into that seat and, and we'll talk on his day here shortly but also the trials and tribulations uh coming from uh, driver analyst uh rc enerson uh, you know, we we were over the moon, as as they like to say, uh, about uh, RC being able to make not only get to the 500, uh, but uh, make the uh, starting field. Uh, I know we had on a couple occasions uh, to talk to him one on one, but uh, the trials and tribulations he had to go through. I think he completed, I think, 75 laps uh, before he had a uh, technical issue uh, take his day away. Uh, but I, again, um, you know. The job, job well done. Uh, Dreyer Reinbold, uh, Cusack Motorsports, there, uh, just everything that they had to overcome in that uh, 72 hour time span. And then, you know, sure enough, what's uh, what's one more issue they have right there at the uh, at the start finish line, start of the race? They have a battery go bad, uh, so they have to change that out. Uh, as uh, you know, there was a, 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 a graphic that Don Cusack uh, put out on social media earlier today, showed the heart rate of, of Graham Rahal. Uh, as you can see, he's even keel uh, right before the race. But at noontime, when uh, when that check, when that green flag rather dropped, uh, Josh, you've seen it. Uh, that that heart rate uh, definitely uh, shot uh, shot through the roof there. Uh, so they had to uh, they were down a few laps as they got back on the track. Uh, so uh, they were able to uh, finish the race. Uh, strong uh a lot a lot is pointing to a lot of indications josh that uh, we may see uh not only that number 24 car uh back at indy in 2024 uh, play on words there uh but we also may see uh stefan wilson uh in uh, in that car next year as well yep hoping that uh stefan can get back out there we saw him on sunday he was uh freshly off of his surgery that he had had earlier in the week and just the fact that he was up and moving around after having a uh, fractured fractured back he broke his back in a uh, in a crash and you know a lot of people a lot of people don't under i mean it sounds severe but for him to be up and moving around less than four days after having surgery he had a brace on his back and um he he looked in good spirits. I know he was uh, he was bummed he couldn't he couldn't race. But I think if uh, if if there was one driver he wanted in that cockpit uh, driving for him, it was Graham Rahal. Uh, you know, it was unfortunate about uh, Graham's um, start at the finish, start start at the beginning of the race, I should say, and uh, his technical difficulties. But um, for for Stefan to be out there rooting on his team and uh, checking on his guys so so far out, so close after uh, surgery is just a testament to the uh, to the power of uh, positive thinking i'm uh, i'm assuming there's 
been hundreds of thousands of prayers. Uh, I know there was a, a card hanging outside, uh, hanging outside the garage, uh, Cusick Motors garage, where he, where his uh, car was being, being worked on and kept all uh, all month long. Uh, and there were so many, uh, so many signatures on it that when I went up there, I was only able to get my uh, my initials on there. But just to just to know that he'll probably put that in his uh, somewhere in his house because it means so much. The the uh, Indianapolis 500 this year didn't go exactly the way he wanted, but uh, I know he was, uh, he was he was happy that Graham was out there and was able to race his car, and happy for uh, Don Cusick who uh, put his heart and soul into into this team. He was there every morning that I that I was told, and uh, bright eyed, bushy tailed, and just full of energy. Um, so. Uh, hopefully Stefan will be back next year. Uh, I have no doubt about it. He's a fantastic driver and, uh, can't wait to see him out there next year. Uh, hopefully taking the pole and uh, taking the win. Yeah, uh, definitely can't wait for uh, you know, Stefan first and foremost, obviously uh, his health is the main concern. Uh, get back uh, fully healthy. Cause uh, obviously, uh, we do, uh, we want you, uh, we want you back out there in, in 2024 and, and something I think important that you, uh, touched on, uh, before we get in, uh, into the results of, of Sunday's race, uh, you talked about the, the banner or card, uh, that was on the, that was tethered to the garage, uh, that, uh, everybody could stop by and sign. And, and I was, impressed josh and and i think you can probably speak on this a little more being a uh you know a born and bred uh, hoosier even though i know you don't admit it but the the who's you know people talk about from this state the hoosier hospitality and i think it was on full display obviously not only through the month of may um with with you know i i have to admit that it wasn't i've I, I've attended the race and, and other events out there in previous years. And I have to say, and, and I don't know who gets credit for this, if it's just one person or what, but I, I thought, and maybe you've seen the same thing that there was so much diversity out at the track this year. And what I mean by that is, you know, how many people did you see, uh, you know, in the, the Hispanic community that had the, their Pato award gear on or how many people you've seen from the, uh, you know, Japanese community um, that had Takuma Sada gear on. So, you know, speak about uh, the, the, the Hoosier hospitality, especially when it comes to everything, all the signatures, uh, the way that uh, Hoosiers kind of embraced uh, Stefan Wilson. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, I may not, I may not, uh, I'm not a Hoosier fan. I'm not an IU fan. I'm, I'm a fan of a different team, but, uh, I will never, never deny my Hoosier roots. Uh, Hoosier hospitality is, uh, one of the best things in the world. Uh, I don't want to just, uh, Hoosier hospitality is different, uh, different than a lot of other hospitalities. Uh, there's Midwest hospitality, that are the one that likes to talk about, but uh, I feel like uh, I feel like the state of uh, state of Indiana just goes above and beyond sometimes. Um, you know, I've been in different states and in the Midwest, and you know, sometimes I'll hold the door open for uh, for for somebody in a different state, and you know, they'll just walk by. Not in Indiana, no matter what t- part of town I am, uh, they're always thanking me, and uh, you know, graciously if I, if there's a second door, they'll open it. But uh, I think Stefan Wilson was embraced by 
was embraced by the state of Indiana just due to the fact that we love our racing, you know. What what other event do you get that uh, that three hundred thousand people over three hundred thousand people show up? And I mean, a, a good chunk of those are all from Indiana. I mean, you, you got them coming from all all over Indiana, but uh, and and also the diversity. You were talking. This sport is growing more and more, and people are taking more uh, more pride in their in their home countries. You know, there were. Uh, so many different nations the netherlands uh, we we talked to some we talked to a lot of australians that were there new zealanders you know um the uh, the japanese japanese fans running around trying to get pictures of takuma sato i mean he's a he's a national hero there he's a two-time indycar 500 winner and uh, coming from a small island i mean it's not it's it's a it's its own country but Come from a small island in the Pacific for someone to be a, a national hero of the, of that country is just, it's unbelievable. And I couldn't imagine, I couldn't imagine the, the weight that goes on, on these, uh, on these drivers shoulders, you know, there's uh, different, different guys pulling out uh, band, pulling out their flags. You know, we, we've seen, we see it a lot in uh, world cup or world baseball championships, but uh, the net, the, the amount of, culture that's going into into the into IndyCar is just amazing you know it, it's taking over more and more of the drivers are become are coming from coming from far away and for you know a, a kid for a kid from Japan I mean what was it he was growing up he saw he probably saw baseball but he also somehow got a hold of the Indy 500 and that's one of his dreams to, to win you know will power being from being from over there it's just crazy, and uh, it was exciting on on Sunday watching watching everybody uh, everybody getting along. I, I didn't see anybody fighting or anything like that. So uh, the Indy 500 truly is a special event that brings so many people together, and uh, it's just amazing. Yeah, you're absolutely spot on in all of the the different. Uh... You know, different countries, different nations uh, were obviously uh, represented uh, there. And like I said, it, it was cool to see uh, all of the the people uh, decked out in in their favorite driver's gear, or uh, if they have a their you know their a driver that represents the country uh, that they're from, they were decked out in that too. So obviously, um, you know, as much as we come on here and and say you know IndyCar needs to do this, IndyCar needs to do that. Um, I, I think that I think it's safe to say, especially with the attendance, what over 375,000, I think, uh, give or take, and then the uh, TV uh, statistics come out too. And I think this is gonna uh, raise some eyebrows uh, later in the show as well. So, IndyCar is, is doing it right, I think, when it comes to the international front. Uh, now it's just uh, it's, it's time to concentrate on, on the home front, and, and obviously, you know, we'll talk more about that as as this season unfolds but uh let's get to the uh results um if uh, if you have not seen them yet uh not sure where you're where you're living at if you have not seen them yet uh but obviously uh time of the race just under uh three hours uh, two hours 58 minutes uh, average speed 168.193 miles an hour there was 52 lead changes 
and 27 caution laps. And I know we're going to uh, talk a little bit more about that. I know Josh has a strong opinion uh, when it comes to caution laps, when it comes to uh, red flags, and and we'll get to, we'll get to that here uh, momentarily. But uh, the fastest lap. Uh, was run by surprisingly David Malukas on lap 136. Uh, he ran 226.021 miles an hour. Uh, the fastest leader lap comes to Pato Award, who uh, that was my pick uh, to win. And uh, he only fell about what I think seven laps uh, short there, getting uh, undercut by uh, Marcus Erickson at uh, 224.149 miles an hour. And again, that was on lap 177. Uh, Joseph Newgarden, Marcus Erickson, Santino Ferrucci uh, were your top three. And then uh, Alex Pillow, Alexander Rossi, uh, Scott Dixon, Takuma Sato, the hometown hero, Connor Daly, uh, Colton Herta, and Re- Renus VK round out your top 10. Then it was uh, Ryan Hunter Ray, Callum Eilat, Devlin DeFrancesca, Scott McLaughlin, Elio Castroneves, uh, Tony Kanan in his last uh, ride, finishing 16th, uh, Marco Andretti, uh, Jack Harvey, Christian Lungard, and Ed Carpenter round out the top 20. Uh, 21st was Benjamin Peterson. A uh, huge congratulations uh, goes out to Benjamin Peterson for being awarded the Rookie of the Year at the Indianapolis 500 last night. And then it was Graham Rahal, who, think about this, ladies and gentlemen, started dead last, had battery issues, so he's already down, he's already behind the eight ball, down two laps, and ends up driving that machine, which he had very little time in, to a 22nd place finish. So uh, huge props there to uh, Graham Rahal. Will Power was 23rd. Pato Award, Simon Pagino, uh, Augustin, Campi- uh, Augustin Campino, Felix Rosenquist, Kyle Kirkwood, David Malukas, and Roman Grosjean round out your top 30. And then it was uh, Robert or Josh's favorite there, Stingray Rob, 31, R.C. Enerson, 32, and Catherine Legg was the first one to retire at 33. So moving over to uh, to the points uh, as they stand right now, your new points leader, Alex Pillow, Marcus Erickson, Pato Award are your top three. Then it's Joseph Newgarden, Scott Dixon, Scott McLaughlin, Alexander Rossi, Roman Grosjean, Will Power, and Colton Herta round out your top 10. Then it is Christian Lungard, Kyle Kirkwood, Felix Rosenquist, Callum Eilat, Santino Ferrucci, Renus VK, Graham Rahal, David Malukas, Marcus Erickson, and Connor Daly round out your top 20. Elio Castroneves, Jack Harvey, Devlin DeFrancesca, Augustin Campino, Simon Pagino, Benjamin Peterson, Stingray Rob, Takuma Sato, Ed Carpenter, and Ryan Hunter Ray round out your top 30. And then it's Tony Kanan and Marco Andretti. So that is what uh, the points look like as of right now. I will get back uh, on screen here, Josh, and that's something I definitely didn't want to do. So let's uh, let's fix that. Um, Storylines, like I said, going into the race, uh, we were curious to see how Graham Rahal would do. Um, and, uh, you know, congratulations to him for what he did. Uh, 
we we both thought uh, well i thought anyway uh pato award was obviously going to be the 500 winner i stuck by that and i came up about uh, seven laps short thanks to uh marcus erickson i believe you had you had alex Pelot. uh yours took a big or no excuse me you didn't have alex Pelot uh on your uh your pick which one i know you went on a limb here a little bit uh who do you remember uh who your pick was uh to uh to win the race on sunday josh that works better if you unmute trust me oh it is yeah uh, i believe it was sato wasn't it did i take takuma i couldn't remember if i took him or de francesco yeah, I can't remember which one it was. I think, was, I, think but I, know, I think I took Sato because I, I was I, he, he had he had been consistent all all week, and I thought he was going to be able to pull it out. But. Yeah, I I, I think you uh, you might be right there. Uh, none of us uh, was able. I think Takuma probably Takuma probably was the higher uh, finisher, obviously, because uh, Pato wrecked out there with just uh, seven laps uh, to go. We'll have to uh, update the board and uh, put bring uh, bring that out. Uh, next week, but uh, I know we want to get into some post race uh, as well because I know you're going to have a strong opinion of how this race ended, and, and I have a feeling that I I don't think you're going to be in the minority uh, when it comes to this. But uh, before we get to that, uh, we do have a couple uh, interviews, uh, post race interviews. Uh, let's let's get to them, and then. Uh, we will talk about this finish that I think has has uh, uh, stirred up um, the the paddock and uh, IndyCar Nation uh, to uh, to its core. But before we do that, like I said, let's get to two post race interviews. Uh, both uh, coincidentally, Meyer Shank Racing first, Elio Castroneves. And uh, we have to do some uh, unscheduled pit stops back. And from there on, it was just sort of like managing that. Very difficult. Um, we were able to finish, I can't believe, in top 15, to be honest. Um, I had some amazing saves out there, which was like, wow. And they're like, you got to stay out there. And I was like, I'm kidding right now because we're not making it. So uh, it, it's, uh, it is in the office. So Rusty, Japanese, and Joseph, uh, and they were really fast moving practice, and uh, there we go. Now, uh, how do you guys run? What happened on that start? Which one? The start at the beginning of the race. Didn't you stall out? Is that what you stalled? Yeah, the clutch, uh, since uh, the car breaking, it was a little bit too, uh, I was driving too quick, quick, and I didn't realize that, so I'm going to make that very Yeah, it was a great job from the entire team all day, a great strategy and uh, we worked on it all day to get faster as we moved up the field and we were in a nice position for a top 10 at the end so uh, so it was mission accomplished, almost accomplished I would say, obviously yeah. we're always wanting to go for a win and who knows what would have happened with all these red flags but uh, unfortunately I, I got rear-ended on the yellow, the cars ahead of us are crashing, it's yellow, slowing down but uh, the car behind me did not slow down and uh, it took me out in a, in a pretty big crash so... Very unfortunate, obviously on oval racing you've got to be highs up and uh, hope that driver understand the mistake he made. So uh, yeah, feel terrible for the guys uh, that wasted uh, a, a good day for us to be crashed in the yellow. Know. 
Let's try it again. Uh, thanks to uh, Elio Castroneves and, and Simon Pagino for uh, both of those interviews. And and I think Elio kind of touched on that uh, a little bit there uh, towards the end and the way some of the restarts uh, were taking place. Um, I know I wrote an article today on uh, uh, last word on on motorsports uh, talking about uh, how how salty and I'm not sure if if salty uh, explains in in great detail um, how one Marcus Erickson who finished second in the race uh, felt uh, about those uh, restarts there at the end. You know, keep in mind, and I and I put this in in the piece, Josh, that um, if Marcus Erickson would have won that race, and I don't know how many people, I don't know how many people know this. Um, but if Marcus Erickson would have won that race, obviously not only would he have uh, taken uh, uh, the purse of, I, I think, 17, 17, million, $17 million, I believe is what the, the total purse was, but there is a bonus uh, as well um, of uh, $400,000, and that actually rolls over uh, year after year and basically what that bonus is is if a driver and the last one to do it was elio castroneves back in 2001 2002 if you go back to back winning winning at uh, the indianapolis 500 uh, there's a bonus that you get on top of the the prize money so you know not only did marcus erickson lose out on on the total purse obviously uh, but uh, he also lost out on an extra four hundred thousand dollars. But I know, I know you you have a, a strong opinion uh, when it comes to this. I, I want to hear from you. Uh, but some of the quotes that that brought this to light um, on Sunday, obviously, Marcus kind of made the um, statement that he didn't think it was fair uh, the way this uh, this race ended. Um, on TV, and then during his uh, post post race, uh, it was brought up as well. You know, Marcus is talking congratulations uh, to Joseph and, and Team Pinsky, and and how he was happy with his performance, um, and that they had a great car, great strategy, great pit pit stops, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But he says, I, I think it was a tough way to to end the race. I really don't agree with how we did it. I don't think it was fair a fair way to end the race, but I'm proud of our effort. And, and there was two questions that were asked to uh, to Marcus. The first one was, uh, "What is it about the end you didn't like?" So Erickson goes on to uh, to clarify, saying that I think it wasn't enough laps to go to go to what we did. I don't think it's safe to go out of the pits on cold tires for a restart when half the field is sort of still trying to get on the track when we go green. I don't think it's a fair way to end the race. I don't think it's the right way to end the race, so I can't agree with that. And then the last question that he was asked on this topic was, have you have you talked to IndyCar or do you plan – on talking to IndyCar about it. And Marcus Erickson simply responds, no, uh, it is what it is. I just have to deal with it. So uh, that was uh, obviously his tone right there. I, I couldn't match that, uh, Josh, but you were there. And, and I and I think we're both in agreement that uh, Marcus Erickson, uh, his answers and his demeanor, his body language, uh, he was awful salty at, uh, at the way this ended. You know, obviously he probably wasn't thinking about the money, but, you know, 
being a two-time Indy Indy 500 champion does carry a little bit of weight, especially remember that he is a free agent uh, at the end of the year as well. So that would look pretty damn good, I think, on a resume. But I know why we were going through these red flags and, and restarts. Uh, you were uh, you were strongly, strongly of a, a certain opinion. So I'm going to sit back and, and let you share that with everyone that you were talking about uh, Sunday in the media center. Um, nobody wants to see a nobody wants to see a race like this end in our caution. Um, I understand Marcus's uh, Marcus's uh, his complaint. Um, I think four hundred thousand uh, dollars kind of weighed into into that into that complaint. Yes, he wanted to be a two time uh, champion of the Indianapolis five hundred, but he was extremely salty in his answers you got to realize that you're there to in, entertain the fans. You're, you're, you're there to win. You're there to compete, but you're also there to, to entertain the fans. And I, for one, would not be in favor of ending a race that has been that emotionally charged and had so many, so many things in it on, a, on a caution. It's boring. It doesn't sell tickets. I mean, you're not going to sell tickets. You're always going to sell tickets to the 500 because people are going to show up no matter what. But if you, if they going forward use this strategy to where they want to end the race under green and they have the ability to, I don't know why IndyCar feels that just because you're on a lap does not mean it has to be an actual lap that counts towards the race you've got 500 miles you go 200 laps but those we, they want 200 competitive laps why not while the cars are under red if if you're afraid of, if you're afraid that someone's going to run out of fuel let them the only thing you can do is splash of fuel you can get fuel into the car you can't touch it you can't take the wit you can't take anything else you can't fix anything else on the car except for gas then you run, you know, three or four laps going around under caution. It's a red caution. We'll, we'll, we'll call it a red caution because you have caution, you have yellow caution, you have red. Red means you can't do anything. Cars are parked. Go under a couple. Go for a couple. Get those tires warmed up. Then throw. Then go around. Throw the green. Throw the white at the same time. Boom, bing, bang, boom. We got we're, we got a fantastic race at the end, and Marcus Erickson is happy. Don't know if he would have been happy if they would have done that. But it, he may have been a little bit more happy. But it wasn't like he went out there with tires that were colder than New Gardens. New Gardens were just as cold as his. And yes, it's gonna be hard. It's gonna be hard for for you to, as the leader to be able to fend off uh, fend off somebody from behind. But if you're the better driver, you're gonna be able to. Not saying that he's not he's not a good driver. He is a fantastic driver. He's an Indy 500 winner. But it, it to me it what it saying that it wasn't safe was not it, it wasn't that that's wrong. It's not the the safety aspect of it was not going it was not there was it wasn't like someone's gonna die. It you know was somebody if somebody would have gotten to a wreck behind them and they would have had to throw a caution, I could understand then we were and end under under caution. But Give it every chance in the world to be able to finish under green. It's what the fans want. 
don't try, don't be happy to win a win a race under caution, especially a, a race that of that magnitude. So, I didn't agree with Erickson. I thought it was a good good end of the race. It gave um, gave the fans what they wanted, and it gave the fourth closest uh, fourth closest finish ever. Um, I don't remember who the other two were. I know the, the other. I know the number one. Is Sam Hornish passing uh, somebody in the end? I was there in 06, and that was a fantastic race, and it got people up. And I will say, as somebody that was not a big I believe, fan of the- I, I believe, I believe he passed uh, Marco Andretti there at the end, didn't he? He did. That's who it was. It was Marco Andretti. He passed him at the end, and that was a fantastic race. Great, great, great end of the race. And this, I will tell you, I was up on my feet looking at the monitor and I ran over to the window and to, so that I could go see Newgarden uh, if he was going to be able to hold on to it. Screaming in the media center, I was. I don't think they're allowed to do that, and they probably frown upon it, but I was doing it because I thought it was an excellent end to that race. And I disagree with Erickson, but that's just how I feel. I'm I'm going to, and, and I'm going to probably be in, in the minority here, um, but I'm going to uh, agree with Erickson to to a, to a certain extent, um, as as Dave first pointed out um, that in, in drivers meetings, uh, the IndyCar officials make it known to the drivers that they want to try to end a race under green as, as much as possible. So I, I get that. I think that's where, you know, Marcus is is putting you know emotion is uh, kind of clouding his judgment a little bit. Ob- obviously, I mean, again, you know, putting a, a two-time Indy 500 winner on a resume being a free agent at the end of the year, I, I think we both agree, like I said, looks pretty damn good. But with, with that being said, um, where I'm going to disagree, or actually where I'm going to agree with, with Marcus Erickson, is it a little unsafe? You One could make that argument. Because do you really want to go? Let's see what, what the the average speed was. What two hundred or uh, it was one something, but obviously that last lap wide open. You know, you're two twenty five, two thirty maybe. Do you really want to put yourself in a position where on cold tires, where you have absolutely no grip whatsoever on on cold tires, going two hundred and twenty five, two hundred and thirty miles an hour, and we just watch, we just witnessed a few laps ago. Uh, Kyle Kirkwood and, and, you know, in, in praise the heavens, IndyCar would have had one heck of a mess on their hands if that tire hit somebody, but on cold tires, do you want to, do you want to relive that again? So I, I do see where Marcus's point about it being unsafe. Yes, I, I get that. Um, going, you know, those speeds, uh, at, uh, at, you know, going at those speeds on cold tires, I get that, but, I, I'm hoping that Marcus wasn't trying to take the easy way out and and try to back his way in, so to say, to become that two-time uh, Indy 500 champion, hoping that they finished it under yellow. So, like I said, I, I do agree with Marcus that it is a little unsafe um, to go at those speeds on cold tires. But I just hope that that Marcus wasn't trying to, like I said, backdoor his way in, so to say, and become that uh, two-time uh, Indy 500 champion. Put that on a resume. Put that on a T-shirt. Whatever. But I, like I said I do agree with Marcus to a certain extent. Um, I, I think it is unsafe to go at those speeds, like I said. But 
again, if if the point is made and the point is stressed during the drivers' meetings, like Dave first said, that the IndyCar officials tell the drivers they want to end a race under green as much as possible. Well, then Marcus is just going to have to uh, obviously accept the outcome uh, because I think at this point uh, nothing's going to nothing's going to be done, nor nothing's going to change. One thing I would ask him, and I mean, I didn't, none of the other, uh, none of the other reporters asked him and, um, you know, I wasn't up there to ask him, what if play devil's advocate? What if it was you? What if, what if new garden was in first and you were in second and they decided not to, not to end the, end the race under caution and you won the race. What, what would you be saying? Would you be saying the same exact thing or would you just be, I'm a two-time, I'm a two-time 500 winner. That's how we should have ended the race. You know, nobody wants to see, nobody wants to see the race end uh, end under caution. You know, New Garden ran a good race, but I just ran a better one and I was luckier at the end. You know, that's how you got to look at it. These guys that come out and it was an excuse. It was an excuse in my opinion that how Eric's, that Erickson lost. He was so excited. I know in the back of his brain, he thought, Wow, there's only three laps to go. They're not. They're they're ser- there's only two laps. They're seriously not going to end this. I mean, they're going to end this on caution. I am a two time, two time uh, 500 winner. I got four hundred thousand dollars more in my bank, my bank account coming soon. That's all he was thinking. And then when they when they uh, decided they weren't going to end it under yellow, he he started thinking of all the all the excuses. It's unsafe. We shouldn't do this. But what if it was him? What if he would have been the one? That got that was fortunate enough for the for the uh, 500 to to play out the way it did, and he was the winner. How would he have reacted? Now I know on Sunday, had we asked that, he wouldn't have been. He would have given. He would have given the answer of, "Oh, I still would have feel the same way." Blah 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 blah. You can't convince me that he that <clears throat> that the fact that the fact that he lost did not factor into his his uh, his decision on how he was going to answer that question. Had he won, he'd have been just fine with it. Yeah, I think that's 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 a great question and and you know, and obviously we didn't ask that and none of the um, you know, the reporters uh, the time that they had with with Marcus Erickson uh, ask that either. And, you know, we're, we're, you know, obviously I want to make the point that, you know, we're not taking away from the, uh, great day that, that Marcus Erickson had, you know, and, and we're not, you know, we're not trying to beat him down, but I, I think that's, I think that's an excellent point there. What if the roles were reversed and, and what if Marcus Erickson was in second place and Joseph Newgarden was in first and how would, would Marcus Erickson's opinion change? Would he have not been as uh, salty if he was in second place compared to being in first place like he was? I think that's that's an that's an excellent point, and you know maybe you know somewhere down the road, uh, maybe uh, you know at uh, when we come back to Indy or or maybe Detroit this weekend or maybe even Nashville, uh, you know maybe we can uh, you know try to get a word or a comment and, and put it on air and, and see what what Marcus says. But yeah, we're you know we're not trying to diminish his driving skills because Marcus Erickson knows more uh, about a race car and can drive a race car better than than me and Josh combined. So that's not at all. We're just you know we're, we're just asking the question as 
as journalists, what would Marcus Erickson's thinking and response be if if the roles were reversed? If he was in second place and Joseph Newgarden was in first and they were going to go out and, and basically run a one-lap shootout because that's basically what it was on Sunday was a one-lap shootout, would Marcus Erickson's opinion change? And I think that that's a great question. And hopefully, uh, you know, one of us will be able to get the opportunity in, in the future uh, to uh, to bring that up. But, uh, you know, we talked about, uh, you know, the start of the race there and then some of the the wrecks. Uh, but there's two that that stick out in my mind. Um, and we'll have uh, Mike from uh, Burnout Sports, Burnout Bets, join us at the bottom of the hour. But uh, the first wreck that comes to mind, obviously, uh, the the vicious and I think in, in every sense of the word, uh, yeah. vicious hit that uh, Kyle Kirkwood took, uh, you know, thank heavens again, that uh, the tire uh, that uh, came apart there, um, the tether, uh, which uh, holds those tires on and they, and IndyCar obviously learned their lesson uh, from that. And, and, and that was developed to keep those tires on um, obviously looking at the replay, uh, Felix Rosenquist's tires completely shredded uh, that tether, uh, which sent that that back si- that back tire uh, into the stands. Like I said, luckily it cleared, hitting any spectators. Uh, did some uh, front uh, front uh, hood damage uh, to uh, to some, but to uh, to uh, I can't say lucky, uh, but to somebody. But I'm sure they're going to get that fixed. But I know you had uh, you were you were grimacing uh, watching uh, Kyle Kirkwood um, hit the wall, and then uh, you know basically slide down the track on the top half of his car. Uh, curious uh, to have you share what you were thinking, watching that replay of Kyle Kirkwood and that vicious hit uh, that he took there late in the race. The onboard camera and just the loudest thud that I think I've ever heard from a race car, just when he goes upside down and it's just those onboard cameras, I can only imagine if it on TV, it's, it was so hard. I, you could feel the, you could feel the hit through the TV just listening to it every time they would replay it. It it was it was unworldly. And I just can only imagine how Kirkwood was feeling, you know, being uh, he was upside down. I mean, I know the with the new cars there, uh, there's a considerable amount of room in between when they go upside down between their hel- between their helmets and what would be the ground. But just to uh, just to think. I don't know what he was thinking going through that. I like, he's probably, he's upside down. He can't see where he's going. He's like, okay, what am I going to hit? Is somebody coming behind me? What if someone comes behind me and hits me and hits me broadside? I mean, in that moment, I think I, I think I would have wet my fire suit. I mean, I think I, I I don't think I would have had anything left in my bladder because I would have just been so nervous of, oh crap, what's going to happen Okay, I'm slowing down, but who's coming behind me? Um, and that that wheel coming off, and like you've said, it was just so miraculous that that did not hit anyone. Because, I mean, those those tires got to weigh 30, 40 pounds. Just imagine them being flying through the air at probably 20, 30 miles an hour, hit somebody in the head, That they're dead. I mean, they're, they're dead or they have severe brain damage for the rest of their lives. Are they broken something? If it hits him in the chest or something, that could have been utterly dangerous. And that tether, I mean, the one of his other tires held on, but that one that was that was 
just launched into the stands. That's just amazing. God was looking out for someone right there that that didn't hit anyone. And uh, I I was I have heard that uh, the the young lady that uh, was working at the track that her that that was her car that hit. She was working in it. They told her about it. Um, they got her a ride home. Uh, I do believe they took her in one of the uh, one of their one of the Camaros that was uh, that was used on one of the pace laps at the beginning. Uh, and they're going to fully fix her car. And um, I, I believe they allowed her out onto the track so she could go kiss the brick yard of bricks, which was a really cool, really cool thing. But um, yeah, that hit and uh, Kirkwood and what I couldn't figure out. And you told me that, uh, you know, how they tell the people that they're okay is uh, they flip their visor up. He flipped his visor up while he was skidding. I mean, and you could see the sparks coming behind him that you, uh, one of those sparks get or something, you know, something flies up, gets in his eye and hurts, hurts. I just couldn't figure out why he didn't, why he didn't wait till he came to a rest to flip his visor up to show them that he was okay. But, uh, once again, that was one of the hardest hits I think I've ever heard on a race car. Yeah, it, it was definitely a, a loud thud um, when when Kurt, when Kyle Kirkwood hit the outside uh, uh, barrier, and then uh, you know, as you said, and I thought the same thing. You know, I didn't know at the time why you know Kirkwood's still sliding on the uh, on the asphalt there and you see the sparks behind him while he flips his visor up now you know now I understand you know what what the what the reasoning is but I, I think you're right that um you know wait till you come to a stop and 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 there's no sparks and there's nothing else that's going to be able to you know fly up from the track rubber whatnot at uh, at whatever speed that could that could roll up there and uh, get something lodged in your eye and then you, you're permanently blind in one eye or whatnot, but uh, lost in all of this. And, and, and I don't know, you know, I, I haven't listened to the radio call and I don't believe TV uh, touched on it either. A lot of credit, I think has to go to Delara and, and it's as safe as they have made these cars. You know, we've seen last week over the years, uh, some of the horrendous crashes and some guys were able to walk away. Obviously, you know, some weren't, but the the safety has come such a long way and 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 safety in the car a uh, huge credit i think goes to like i said delara uh for this car that they have designed they have made and obviously you know not only kyle kirkwood's uh wreck on sunday but uh, pato award who you know after seeing it on replay today um i am of the opinion and i think you share the same one that uh marcus erickson <laughs> finds himself in controversy again. Um, I, I think Pato had the clean pass. Um, I don't think it was radioed down to Marcus Erickson uh, to, to give Pato room. Obviously, with a handful of laps left, that probably goes out the window. Uh, but uh, Pato had that pass. He clear. He was better clearing, and then that's when uh, they uh, they ended up uh, making contact that sent uh, Pato into the wall, and uh, it ended his day. So, a lot of storylines uh, coming from this, and I remember uh, listening to uh, Pato's interview on NBC, and I know you caught this as well. Uh, he said something to the effect of, uh, you know, if that's how he wants to race, well, we, we can do that. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, the next time uh, Pato Award and, and Marcus Erickson uh, find themselves uh, side by side uh, on the track. Uh, what may or may not uh, take place uh, from that. But uh, interesting uh, uh, stat that I just came across on Twitter 
uh, Mike from Burnout Burnout Sports, Burnout Bets is going to be joining us here in just a short time. Uh, but his his cohort there, uh, Tony Donahue at Tony D Indy on on Twitter. Josh just put this out that with Tony Kanan retiring. Uh, with with Tony Kanan retiring, the lap leaders at the Indianapolis 500 that are active. Ready for this? Scott Dixon, 665 laps led. Elio Castroneves, number two, at 326. What a drop off. Uh, third is Simon Pagano with 169. Uh, Ryan Hunter Ray, fourth at 163. And Ed Carpenter, Indianapolis's own Ed Carpenter, with 146. So uh, interesting, interesting statistic uh, there. Uh, let's move over to our sponsors, Josh. Uh, we'll let's get to them uh, because we can't uh, obviously bring everyone a show here on the Push to Pass podcast without them. Uh, first, always ready, seventeen seventy six uh, for uh, apparel. Uh, patriotic apparel headwear and more check out always ready 1776.com and as always if you use the promo code right before checkout push to pass you will get 10 percent off of your order that's always ready 1776.com and then also to get them associates for all your design remodel uh, design build and remodeling needs remember it's get them.com and uh, their promo code as well. If you use push to pass, you will get $250 off any design service. That is get them associates. You can find them at get them.com. So a huge thank you uh, to them for everything uh, that, uh, that they do all the work uh, bringing you these uh, uh, shows and, and allowing us to uh, give out uh, promo codes uh, to give people discounts. Uh, to uh, not only uh, cool patriotic apparel, but home design as well. I do see, Josh, uh, that uh, our uh, our betting guru, outside of you, obviously, has uh, stepped in to, uh, into the room. So I'm going to be curious to hear uh, his thoughts on uh, what took place this weekend. But uh, uh, Mike from Burnout Sports, Burnout Bets, uh, is joining us uh, mike what a uh, what a wild weekend i think a wild race on sunday uh to uh, to say the least yeah yeah it was crazy it was uh it was quite the betting sweat uh i enjoyed it i didn't make money it's the first 500 in the last four years that i had a losing uh losing weekend it wasn't as bad as i thought when i went back and and uh tabulated all the bets it was awesome to see all the props all the matchups uh, all the things the sports books had for a long period of time up on the betting board. And it was really cool to see all the interaction with the betting going on from uh, the action network to just the people uh, online and just all the, all the buzz around the betting. I wish, I wish we would have hit some of these bets. We, we were one. Well, I mean, I, I thought Pato had the best car. Uh, I think he was, I think, Everybody's talking about how he, you know, he's pissed about Erickson squeezing him. Well, he was a dumbass for for trying to go down there to begin with. He had fresh tires, wasn't saving fuel. Like I don't know why he tried to make that move. It was way too aggressive. Now who knows what would happen when we got like four red flags towards the end, and whoever was in second, I think, was going to be the winner. But um, yeah, so I thought Pato was going to win it. He was, and I had a lot of money on him, and and then I actually would have profited. I know, I know, I don't have. I know I have the bet on Erickson not to win another race. So I was. 
I was very conflicted at the end of that race, but I also Erickson winning. Um, I would have would have hit the Ganassi bet for me and would have hit the uh, the top the grid bet for me. So uh, I stood the stand to win a lot more money if he just would have won the race. I could have easily made up for that. So I was rooting for Erickson. I don't know if they should have had another red or not. I I don't I, I don't think I have a strong opinion on that either way. Um, I would have done better if Erickson would have won. Uh, in the law in the scheme of but hey that's uh it's all for fun and i think the betting angle of it made it way made it way more fun for me i you know it doesn't take much with the betting to make the indy 500 fun but um it was uh it was awesome you guys make money josh you have new i didn't have a thing of joseph joseph had i had nothing no i put some money out there the only thing i won was i won 10 bucks because i bet chevrolet was gonna win uh that was that i asked i asked uh Derek, who was going to win either Honda or Chevy? And he said Chevy, and I won money off that. But uh, everything else I lost. I did a, we went through and uh, did a big parlay of all the uh, all the matchups and didn't didn't win that. I don't. I I'd have to go back and figure out who didn't win that one for me. But uh, of course, I put money on Pato and uh, and, and Polo, and they uh, they just couldn't couldn't pull it out. The two favorites didn't pull it out. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, I had, uh, I, I did, I mean, I did hit three of the top five, uh, so that was good. I had, I had, uh, Pelo came out of nowhere, snuck back in there. I had him top five. Uh, I had Ferrucci top five, and I had Rossi top five, and all those paid at two and three to one. Uh, so that saved my day, uh, and I did very well in the matchups too. Our boy RC Anderson, I wouldn't have bet that if it wasn't the fact that he was on your show. Uh, we talked to RC. Uh, RC over Kathleen, Catherine crashed, and that was actually. Uh, that was a good sweat, uh, that ticket because Catherine said that they were going to try to get her car back in the race and he went out and if I spent the whole race staring at the, the waiting to flash over to see if she got back in her car, because I think all she had to do was run like 10 laps and he would have finished last and she would have finished 32nd. Um, so I was sweating that the whole race while, you know, paying attention to what was going on in the front. I'm like, is she coming back or not? So that was a win, uh, in that matchup. And then, uh, I think I had uh, about, I think I had five others I put out. I went uh, three for five or four for six or something like that. So uh, the matchups did well for me. I didn't parlay any of them. Um, I try to I try not to do that any more than two. That's, that's just how sports books make money. You just, you know, it's good for fun. It definitely is good to, you know, put a big one together and, and go for, for fun with a little money. But when you're betting a little bit more, you don't want to, you don't want to, you have to be careful with that. So, yeah, it was a cool race. I don't know. Do you guys think the last red? I didn't hear your. I'm sure you talked about it. What? What was? It was a yes or a no on the last red flag for you two. Um, I was in agreement that they should have uh, that they should have red flagged it and they should have got got it going. Uh, I know Erickson had four hundred thousand reasons of why he uh, didn't want it and uh, he would have been the bit of two time. But I was excited. I. I was sitting in the media center. I was like, oh, God, we're going to end up under – we're ending under yellow. And then when they said we're throwing a red, I was like, thank gosh, they're thinking of the fans. They want this to go. Um, I, I, come, I came up with a how they could have fixed it. They could have just, you know, gave everyone a splash of fuel, uh, nothing else on the car, ran a couple laps under what I would have called it uh, red caution, you know, just to get those tires warmed up, and then they could have – then they could have – thrown the green, the green, white and the green gone green, white checkered and uh, finished that way. And maybe, maybe Erickson wouldn't have been so mad, but uh, I'm in agreement. I, th I think it was a good, it was a good end of the race. 
And uh, I think uh, Erickson at the end was just trying to find any excuse he could because he, uh, he lost. And, uh, but if, <laughs> Roles were reversed. I think he would have been. He would have graciously accepted the win. He would have been like, "Hey, that's how the rule. That's how they did it." Yep, that's always a good barometer. I think. Uh, by the way, I do think that next year they got to get rid of the. They got to make a rule about the the dragon thing. Like, I don't think they should be able to take the car under that solid pit pit lane entry line. One, I think is dangerous, and two, I'm just like, look, if some guy gets a run and gets the draft, like. Uh, let's let's have two cars side by side going into that finish a la Goodyear Unser Jr. finish. Um, I think if they get rid of that, because guys are just gonna keep keep pushing that limit and somebody might, you know, something crazy might happen. They they clip that that pit wall. We've seen cars get torn in half and people die, but I think they gotta get rid of that. But yeah, I'm I'm whatever. Like I think that's a good solution. A red, yellow, like one lap. Because I know. You know, we're not running extra laps in the 500. I'm, I wouldn't be a fan of that. I don't, and I like that, that, you know, I don't want to break tradition. But, yeah, whatever. I mean, I would, I'm would. i with Marcus uh, because I'm, I'm just bitter because I lost but money. But, uh, you know, I would have taken the Erickson win. But it's all good. It wasn't bad. It was it was an awesome race. Uh, I'll be right back on betting. Put me down now for Pato. Like, the second I see 500 odds, if he's not the favorite or if he's anywhere double digits or it's other uh, somebody else because of his finish – um put me down for him for next year he he's gonna win that race he sh- i still think he him and Pelot. i still thought were the best cars you know Pelot kind of got hosed and he still came all the way back um so uh you know put me put me back down for those two again uh for for the 500 next year and i think it's just uh you know and i'm surprised i'm surprised how uh, joseph smart race right place right time uh i don't know if he was the strongest car but uh, good for him. I like him. I think he's a good ambassador for the sport. I think he'll be great. Uh, I saw him doing his media tour today. Like, I think he's awesome for that. And the more eyes, you know, we can get on Indy, the better, as far as I'm concerned. I, I'm of the opinion, first and foremost, I, I think you're absolutely right. Joseph is a great ambassador uh, for, for IndyCar and for the sport. I, I think you're absolutely spot on there. Uh, if you didn't see... <laughs> Marcus was a little little salty, to say the least, after the uh, after the race. But I, I I understand where he's coming from, especially, you know, do you really want to run, you know, a one lap shootout at 220, 225 miles an hour on cold tires? I, I mean, I, I get where he's coming from. I, I understand that, but to to what Josh said, and I think this is a great point, and, and no one asked him, uh, Marcus, this. If the roles were reversed, are you of the same opinion? Yeah, no. <laughs> so, uh, you know, probably not. So, yeah, I don't know. I, th- there's precedent, I guess, for them doing the opposite. So, um, hey, whatever. Like, I, like I said, I don't have a strong opinion either way. It's fine. It was fun. It's good for the fans. Like, let's see it finish under green. Um, I mean, nobody really. I didn't see anybody lose anything because of the tires he lost. Cause you didn't want to be in first on the last lap. Like that's why he lost. Like he, he was in the wrong spot. So um, that's pretty much how it worked out. The guy with that was in second, got the, always had the run and, and then they could just snake it through, uh, snake it through the start, snake it off of four or dragging it, whatever you want to call it. And uh, that's how it worked out. So if it would have been one more lap, Erickson would have won, right? Joseph or Joseph would have been, should have been smart enough not to pass him. 
Yeah. So with the with the 500 now uh, behind us, Mike, and and coming up to Detroit this weekend, uh, you know, new course, nobody knows what to expect. Uh, how tough does this make uh, handicappers, you know, like yourself, when it comes to betting on IndyCar at a track like Detroit, where you know it's it's a it's it's a whole weekend of unknowns until they get track time on Friday. Yeah, just gotta be careful. I doubt the sports books even put odds. They don't know either. Um, if they do, maybe they'll make them. I mean, look, the only thing you can go on as a better is street course. You know, street courses this year. So, Grosjean, Kirkwood, the Andretti cars have been the best street course cars. Long Beach. Um, so maybe look to some of those if you make a bet before calls. Otherwise, you got to just wait and watch and see who's going to be quick at this track. It's interesting. I mean, there could be some opportunities. It's just good. Yeah, I'll look at the numbers and see what the numbers are, see what the sports book puts, puts out there. If anything, I wouldn't be surprised if we, we get any odds. So, uh, I'll be keeping an eye on it and watching. I'll be actually be in Vegas. So I'll be poking around some of those sports books this weekend and seeing if any of them are going to post odds, uh, on the race. And then, uh, um, I'll be watching it on the plane on the way home and I'll hopefully have some tickets in my hand from Vegas books, but we'll, we'll see. Um, but uh, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see that. Nope. Yeah. There's nothing to go off of except street course knowledge. So I guess that's more than probably what the sports book have, but you're going to have to keep an eye and see what the drivers say, keep an eye and watch what the times are and hope that, um, you know, I have more information than the sports books do. Josh, what a, uh, <laughs> uh josh what a great uh cliffhanger that by uh by mike i guess that'll give people a reason if they don't already uh to uh to follow him uh expectation of you and tony doing a uh spaces uh before uh the green flag drops on uh three o'clock on sunday uh that's a great question uh we're gonna have to work on travel plan i didn't even thought about that yet man yeah we always want to try to do those um i'll have to talk to him uh, about travel plans and have to figure out time zones and whatnot. Um, I think I actually get back into the to the Eastern time zone around two o'clock. I leave very early, but I don't know if I'm going to bed Saturday night. So this, this could be a rough one. We'll see. <laughs> We're gonna have to play this one by ear. Uh, you know, definitely I'll be on my Twitter and and uh, and and be putting stuff out there. Maybe uh, maybe I'll do one from the airport. I got a connection. I think on Sunday. So uh we'll figure that out and we'll uh yeah keep an eye out on twitter keep an eye out uh, uh on burnout bets twitter and then my twitter and we'll we'll get all that announced and we'll see what happens i think tony's gonna be at the track which will be super helpful for uh getting some inside information on the new track and there'll be something that there's always something screwy in new tracks right either like a corner's too tight or or the pavement's jacked up or there's a big bump somewhere or hey detroit's notorious i still can't get over my willpower bet that i lost where the where the where the freaking ground came up and the they had to re-asphalt because there was a hole and then the car overheated because uh, they had a red flag on them and yeah I'm still bitter about Detroit so um, we'll see what happens something crazy will happen we'll have to figure it out. Uh, Mike, good stuff as always. Can't wait to see what you have uh, this week weekend uh, for everyone definitely pay attention uh to his uh twitter and uh, get uh, the latest from him and uh tony donahue as well uh, mike as always a huge thank you and uh, we will uh, see you uh one week from now good All luck right, in vegas care. this week thanks man appreciate it
See ya. Josh, good stuff there. It'll be interesting to see what uh, uh, Mike and, and Tony come up with, obviously, like we said, uh, being a, a brand new course in Detroit. Uh, we had so much to go over uh, on this episode that we couldn't get uh, Detroit in, but I know I will be uh, writing a uh, preview uh, this week um, over at uh, Last Word on Motorsports, so uh, check that out. Uh, we'll get to our news and notes section and then uh, I guess it'll be time for us to uh, to uh, get out of here and put a uh, wrap on episode 28 and the 107th running of the Indianapolis 500. I know uh, earlier, uh, Josh, we talked about uh, uh, TV and the new uh, the statistics uh, that uh, came out that NBC released uh, earlier today, as you see up on screen. Uh, Indianapolis 500 averages nearly 5 million viewers on NBC and Peacock, and that is up. 2% from 2022. The greatest spectacle in racing delivered 13 share best in 15 years and most watched Sunday afternoon telecast on NBC since June 2022. Race peaked at nearly 6 million viewers as Joseph Newgarden took the checkered flag and celebrated in the grandstands with the fans. The 107th Indianapolis 500, which was presented by Gainbridge, averaged a total audience delivery of 4.2 million viewers across NBC and Peacock. That is up 2% with the numbers from the 2022 race, which were 4.84 million. According to the fast national data released by Nielsen and digital data from Adobe Analytics, Viewership on the Spanish language cable network Universo is not yet available. Sunday's race, which was from 12.48 p.m. to 4.19 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, which was won by Team Penske driver Joseph Newgarden in a thrilling last lap pass over 2022 winner, uh, delivered a 13 share, which is a percentage of homes watching television at that time of the race. It's best in 15 years. The last time it was this high, 2008. The race was also the most watched Sunday afternoon program on the NBC broadcast network in nearly a year since the final round of the 2022 U.S. Open on June 19th, 2022. The greatest spectacle in racing peaked at 5.8 million viewers from 4 o'clock to 4.15 p.m. during its thrilling conclusion as viewers watched Newgarden take the checkered flag and then climb into the grandstand to celebrate his first 500 win with the fans. TV-only viewership on NBC averaged 4.7 million viewers while streaming across Peacock and NBC Sports Digital programs averaged 216,000 viewers on par with last year, which was 219,000, despite being geo-blocked in the Indianapolis area for the first time. It is the second most streamed IndyCar race ever behind last year. The Indy 500 was highlighted highlight of busy Sunday for NBC Sports and Peacock, which streamed 20 sporting events, including 10 Premier League Championship Sunday matches, the first round of the Roland Garris, the L.A. Dodgers at Tampa Bay Rays, both PGA Tour and LPGA events, the WWE and more. 
NBC's NBC Sports exclusive coverage of the NTT IndyCar Series continues with the streets of Detroit this Sunday, June 4th at 3 p.m. on NBC and Peacock. So, so Josh, with everything I just said there, all that big word salad uh, there, uh, what is your takeaway um, with the viewership uh, from this past Sunday's race? Uh, it's great. Um, gl- glad to see that, uh, that the race was, uh, was viewed by a lot of people. Um, I mean, it, the race was awesome. I mean, to, if you watched it, I hope that, uh, this brings a lot of, uh, a lot more eyeballs onto the, onto the race, onto the NTT, uh, IndyCar series, uh, throughout the rest of the year. Um, I'm going to hold my breath on that. Be- just do the fact that, this was the Indy 500. Everyone knows what the Indy 500 is. Um, we'll see how uh, how the um, how the viewership for Detroit goes. Um, is it up? Is it down? Um, it's a new track, so I mean, it's a new it's a new place that they're that they're racing. They're not at Belle Isle, so that may bring in a couple more uh, more viewers than normal. Uh, but I'm always hoping that uh, that that the uh, that the viewership will grow. Only time will tell. Um, uh, it's good to see that there was more viewership on this year's than last year's. That shows, but uh, you know, the 500 is always going to bring a big crowd. It's now what does Indy? How does IndyCar capitalize on that? How do they capitalize on what happened at the end of the race to be able to uh, bring more eyeballs to the uh, to the sport? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a great point there. How does how does IndyCar uh, follow up the the greatest spectacle in racing uh, in in Detroit uh, this weekend? I, I think that's an uh, that's a great point, and and we'll have to see when that, when that viewership comes in uh, next Tuesday uh, what those numbers look like. Uh, speaking of uh, the streets of Detroit, I know I'm going to be headed there on Saturday. I know Josh has a prior obligation uh, that completely slipped his mind, so. Uh, he is going to be uh, won't be able to come to Detroit, but I know he's going to be joining us uh, in Indy, obviously uh, later in the year, and then in Nashville as well. So can't wait to get to Detroit, get settled in, and uh, uh, you know stay tuned to uh, push to pass on the uh, social media platforms that you see scrolling down uh, below your screen for all of the updates, uh, practices, interviews, etc. that are going to be taking place this weekend in. Detroit for the uh, streets of Detroit. So uh, I, we'll pull up the uh, schedule here, take a look at it. As you see uh, right uh, on your, should be coming up on your screen right there. Uh, June 4th, uh, streets of Detroit. Can't wait to get there. Can't wait to see what, what this track uh, Josh is going to look like and uh, what, uh, what's going to be in store for all of the IndyCar drivers this weekend. So before we wrap things up, anything else that you want to uh, add uh, touch on here before we, uh, before we get on out of here? Uh, just one other thing. It was uh, pretty funny. I, you probably saw it earlier. Uh, Marcus, Har- not our Marcus Harrison's. Uh, sorry, he's so got me so salty in my brain. Um, New Garden. Did you see his ring fell apart? Uh, the ring they gave him. Hopefully, that was just like a temporary one. That the one that they're actually going to give him is uh, is is a little more sturdy than uh, one just falling apart. I know Justin's does that, and that can't look good for, good on him. But uh, the picture was was circulating around that his ring had fallen apart. Did you see it? 
Yeah, I, I did see that uh, earlier today. And, and like you said, I'm sure uh, uh, the captain there, uh, Roger Pinsky, is going to get uh, Jocelyn's uh, squared away and, uh, you know, get uh, get that uh, issue fixed uh, as soon as possible. And glad to see uh, Joseph out doing the uh, media tour uh, today. I know he was in uh, uh, New York at uh, at the stock market. So, you know, like like Mike said, and we both agree, uh, you know, Joseph is going to be a, a great ambassador here uh, for, the, uh, for the next uh, 360. 60 some days until we crown a new Indy 500 champion. So with all that being said, uh, that uh, does it uh, for this episode. Uh, thank you for tuning in a huge. Thank you to uh, Mike as always for joining us. Also to a huge thank you to uh, Elio Castroneves and Simon Pagino for uh, giving us a little bit of their time uh, to talk about the race that they had on Sunday as well. Uh, we will join you uh, one week's time to talk about uh, what transpired in the streets of Detroit. Uh, but like I said, uh, stay tuned, stay glued to the Push to Pass podcast, uh, social media accounts where you'll be able to get updates, interviews, uh, practice times, et cetera, et cetera, this weekend in Detroit. So for Josh, Derek, everyone else that uh, has a part in this Push to Pass podcast, thank you and so long until one week from now. Good job, buddy. Nothing to apologize, buddy. Great job all month long. Awesome, dude. That's not good enough, Up there, Scott. Well done today. Okay, that's so early. Yeah. Oh, sorry, guys. Good job to Joseph. Alright, second flight, bud. Pick one. Jack, way to hang in there. Thank you, spotters, for the day. Up and down, uh, P18 at the end. Um, you know, certainly was difficult in the middle, but uh, that was quite an adventure at the end. Thank you, guys. Thank you, crew. On to Detroit. Great job down there, everyone. Good call.
Nice job behind the wheel there, Jack. There's a lot of fun up here. Let's come into the checker flag. Good job there. Uh, before we had to sit there because you were so loose, you were actually like 